Man, we, we, we can't start without a preacher. I don't even know where he's at. Okay. I, I, I got to tell you, if they're going to keep on putting me up here with this podium, I'm going to have to learn some scripture. Now, I, I know some, but I just don't know exactly all of it by heart. And I hate to misquote anything, but anyhow. Um, Technical difficulty. <laughs> yeah. From what I heard, you're not. From what I heard, you're not technical. <laughs> okay. All right. We don't have a lot of announcements tonight. I'm not going to go through all the uh, Sunday morning announcements. I am going to uh, throw out that uh, we need to continue to mention missions and pray for missions. And. Uh, we, we need to get it on our heart because I do know enough scripture to say that the Great Commission is about going out and missions is about going out. Yeah. And that's something that we need to participate in as a church for the blessing that it will bring to us also. Yeah. It will surprise you when you go bless somebody how much blessing you get back from that. So don't, don't think that you're doing something for nothing because it's coming back to you. And it may not come back today or next week. It may not come back the way you want it, but it will come back and it will be a blessing when you get it. So keep that in mind. Okay, we are, I have a list here of uh, some things that we're gonna put in 50 backpacks for Brother Gabriel. He's got a school that we're gonna try to uh, sponsor up a little bit and help out. Uh, do we have more of these? Yes. Uh, okay. There's, there's several of these laying around. If you want one, see Brother Pastor Marcus or uh, Brother Gabriel can probably get you one. I don't know if he's got any or not, but he can get them for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to try to bless the school with some backpacks, some stuff to put in them, and missions. This is missions. With, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not go to Germany or, or Peru or anywhere, but it's missions. So let's get involved in it. Okay, that's that. Now then, uh, two of you. Okay, I don't know how many of you have seen the announcements today, but this is Pastor Marcus and his wife's anniversary. I don't know how many years that is, how many? 15. 15 years? Yeah, 15 years. Got your newlyweds. <laughs> You saw the announcement the other day with Brother Ronnie and Mary been married 69 years. I did, years, right? and I meant to do that yesterday, so I did it yesterday. I think it was supposed to be. So, so I want to recognize them. Uh, this, but this there, there's some people in this church that's been married a lot longer than the average. I mean, you look at some of these people that come here. So, uh, like I said, y'all are new it. <laughs> okay. Um, this is a happy anniversary card and a gift certificate. Sure we did. My wife said I did. <laughs> and all, all these all these guys have been married a long time. <laughs> they know how that goes, right? He said my wife said I had to get a witness there. <laughs> so, and, and and that's how you know when your wife tells you that's how you, that's when you know to do it. So. Is it is it the thing you're the head, but she's the neck that turns the head? Yes, that, dear. Yeah, yeah. So, well, you know, I haven't been married as long as Ronnie and Mary. I've been married 53 years. Wow. And awesome. I've not been married 53 years and not learned anything. 
I have learned a lot. Anyhow, this is a happy anniversary card and get certificate in town, inside. And we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. And enjoy, enjoy it. And here you are. Well, and, and here's the wonderful thing about it. Um, we went to, and I, I got to share this. So this is really exciting. You know, God is so good. So Naples was where we went. Was it our first year anniversary, babe? Stacy, was it our first year anniversary? We went to Naples up in, in Broken Arrow. Was it Broken Arrow? Tol no, it was, in, it was in Owasso. So there's a Naples here in town. Well, you know, when you drive up to a restaurant and there's not a lot of cars, you start wondering, how's the food? It was, it was, it was okay. <laughs> I, that's just me. Everybody's got differences of opinion. But we went in, and this was a God thing. So we went in, and there was nobody in there. And the waitress that was there just started spilling her heart to us. She wasn't even supposed to be working. And through the whole conversation, we led her to Jesus today. Yeah. Yeah, so pray for her. Her name's Jackie. Yeah, give God praise for that. And right after we prayed, <laughs> but right after we led her to the Lord, then people came in. So, you know, we went and got her a Bible and uh, told her about her service time. She's going through some difficulties. But you know what? Her name's Jackie, so pray for her. And she really wants to come to church. She can't come on Sundays because of her job, but she may be able to come on Wednesday. For her real quick before we pray for tonight's service. Uh, Father, we just pray for Jackie. Lord, I believe in divine appointments and thank you for that opportunity that you gave Stacy and I to be a part of what you did. We want to give glory where glory is due. You said you will not share your glory with no man. Jesus, you did all the work. That was a divine appointment. We pray for Jackie right now. We pray, Father, that you would begin to speak to her that, Lord, as she reads the Bible, that it would come alive to her, that she would realize the decision she made tonight is an eternal decision, and it was signed, sealed, and delivered by you. You wrote her name in the Lamb's Book of Life. So we pray for her tonight. Uh, pray for her kids. I pray, Father, that she'd be able to get an apartment that she's been wanting to get. And, Lord, I pray that whether it's in this church or another church, a Bible-believing church that she would get plugged into. Yes to know about you, and to grow in her walk with you. Yes. Father, as we get ready to worship tonight, I pray that, Lord, you will speak to each one of us tonight. Pour out your anointing on all of us. Draw people in from the north, the south, the east, and the west into this congregation, into this sanctuary. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, y'all get on your feet now. We're going to worship. We're going to give glory where glory is due, and that is to our Father. Father, we just thank you tonight, Father, that we can come into your house and boldly worship before your throne, Father. Thank you, Jesus.
breaks the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless with awe and wonder the king of glory the king above all kings this is amazing grace this is unfailing love that you would take my place that you would bear my cross you'd lay down your I sing for all that you've done for me. Yes, Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory, who rules the nations with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You'd lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Sing worthy is the Lamb. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, 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 oh, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross. You'd lay down your life, that I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Let's sing that one more time. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You'd lay down your life. That I would be set free. I sing for all that you've done for me. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He alone is worthy. Keep going. You're fine. Yes, Father, thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace, God. 
your grace and your mercy that's new every morning, Father. Because you were forsaken and I'm accepted, you were condemned and I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Yes. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you with all I do. I honor you. And I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken and I'm accepted, you were condemned. And I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Yes, amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Jesus, you are my King. 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 Sing that again. Jesus, you. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Yes. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Yes, amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you, Lord, in all I do. I honor you. Lord, in all I do, 
ask you, Julie, in a minute, if we can sing that again. The, the thought that kept coming through my mind is, in, in, you know, in, in Genesis it says that God walked in the cool of the garden of the day. And, you know, because Adam and Eve sinned, there was a separation. But because of Christ, we've come back into relationship with Him. So I just want you to, as, as you worship for a minute, I want you to think about that. That God is here. And we get to fellowship with Him, yes. just like Adam and Eve did. Yes. We do, really. I mean, we're physically, I mean, I know we don't see Him, but we live by faith, not by yes. what? Sight. We are in the presence of Almighty God. God yes. is here. So just focus on the Lord one more time. Let's sing that song one more time. I really appreciate you guys doing that, if you wouldn't mind. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And I'm accepted, you were condemned. And I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? That you, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Let's sing it again. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Because you were forsaken And I'm accepted You were condemned And I'm alive and well Your spirit is within me Because you died and rose again Amazing love How can it be that you, my King, would die for me. Yes. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. And Jesus, you. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Jesus, you are my King. Only you, God, you Oh, Father, you are our King. Jesus, you are our King, Lord. 
Lord, let everything that we do be unto the glory of God. We honor you. We lift you up. We praise your holy name. You are king. You are king. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, worship team, Dennis and Julie. And thank you. And You know, we need to, uh, even on Sundays, you know, we have a wonderful worship team. All those that are involved in it, we need to give them thanks for, for doing what they do. Yeah, amen. You know, I was reminded this week uh, from an individual that, uh, um, you know, it was a, I'm not going to say what it is because it's personal, but I had somebody uh, share a word with me this week and somebody I respect and um, that, hear, you know, hears from the Lord and they just reminded me, be who I am. Amen. So listen, don't be something you're not. You know, I, I can't do that up there. That, that's gifting. I can't play the piano. I can't sing like that. I can, I can get up here and speak, but everybody's got different giftings. Just like he was talking about techie. I, I, I try to surround myself with techie people because I mess it up a lot. So, you know, it's a reminder. Just be who you are. Be who God made you to be. Yeah, amen. Well, that's sermon number one tonight. So, all right, we're going to look at tonight. I know I have that handout. Did everybody get that handout? Uh, last we're, we're going to hold on to those handouts we're going to I'm going to look at some Old Testament typology of the rapture of the church yes Kathy I, I do have you mean of the handouts I can get one get one for you after service so if you don't have one I will get it to you just get with me after the service I do have another handout tonight so if I could get somebody to help me out pass these out tonight we're going to look at uh, if we get to it tonight oh yeah Faith you want to help we got I got several here so Robert, there you go. Faith. Sorry, Robert. Oh, there we go. I'm, I'm just titled this message tonight, The Rapture in the Old Testament. So that's what we're going to look at. It's more teaching, preaching. I like to teach. We're going to look at uh, old typology, Old Testament typology of the rapture of the church in the Old Testament. We're not going to get through all of it tonight, but we're going to look at some of that stuff. You know, we watched a video, right, uh, before the wrath. How many of you guys enjoyed that video, before the wrath? Um, if you haven't, if you don't got it, how many of you guys got a smart TV at home? Anybody got a smart TV? Uh, you know what a smart TV is? You can put an app on your TV and to buy. You can also purchase it. It's called Before the Wrath. It's by Ingenuity Films. Again, just a reminder for you guys that were here for that. It's, ar it's a, a archaeological evidence that they have found in Galilee of the pre-tribulation rapture. And, uh, you know, Jesus was Galilean. All of his disciples were Galilean. So it's about a wedding. And uh, if you get a chance to watch that, that would be a, a blessing to you, I know. Uh, I, I know a lot of people enjoy that video. So if you have your Bibles, go with me. We're gonna, our first scripture is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 55. So 1 Corinthians, I'm going to read out of my Bible here. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 
The Apostle Paul, when he writes this, he's writing to the Corinthian church because they didn't, you got to understand in those times, the Corinthians, uh, a lot of them didn't believe in a body, bodily resurrection. And so he has to teach them that, hey, if, if, if there's no resurrection, there's no salvation because Jesus had to rise from the dead. And so in their belief system that they came out of, uh, they were struggling with the resurrection of a human body, of people. Uh, we're we're going to be resurrected one of these days. Uh, it's going to be a glorious moment. But we're in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look at verse 50. Paul, describing to the Corinthians, he says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, or listen, I tell you a mystery. We will, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Or where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? So the Apostle Paul says, in the minute, in, in the twinkling of an eye, we, I mean, it's so fast we can't even comprehend how fast that is. So we start off with this rapture. Paul is speaking. And, and remember last week we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We, you know, and I can quote it where it says, you know, uh, Jesus is going to come down with a loud command and with the voice, uh, voice of the archangel. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up with them to be with them in the clouds forever. And we're going to look at some of the scriptures tonight. But so we got to remember the rapture idea, the pre-tribulation rapture isn't just with a guy by the name of Darby. He made it popular, but you can go back to a lot of the founding fathers. You can go back to fathers all the way back into the 200s AD, and you will find that they believed in the pre-tribulation rapture. So let's look at some typology. Old Testament typology, Enoch is a picture of the rapture. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5, and it's up here, verses 21, verses 21 through 24. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. You know Methuselah is the oldest man to ever live. Right. 969 years old. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him. Yeah. Now, I've done the math, and he was, uh, Enoch was, I think, born 69 years, or died 69 years before Noah was born. So it's interesting. Now, I, I, this is me. I mean, I, I don't know if there's any uh, mathematical thing to it, but there's, we're going to look at it tonight. There's 69 weeks, and then there's the 70th week. The tribulation period. So that's just a thought. I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but I, you know, it could. We don't know. So Enoch is a picture of the rapture of the church. Right. Because it's right before God brings judgment on the world. Right. He was with God, but God took him. He didn't die. 
There's only two men in the Bible that didn't physically die. That was Enoch and Elijah. Remember the, the chariot that came down and separated Elijah from Elijah? Right. And he was taken up yeah. to God. So you see a picture there of the rapture of the church. If he did it with Enoch, he's going to do it with what? The church. One of these days we're going to be sitting here in church. That would be cool if it was in church. Wouldn't that be great? And you're going to hear a trumpet call and we're all going to disappear that know Jesus. Yeah. There will be some left behind. So Enoch is a picture of the rapture. Noah is a picture of the Israelites going through the tribulation. And I'll explain. Go with me to Genesis chapter 7. Genesis chapter 7. Look with me in verses 6 through 10. Genesis chapter 7 verses 6 through 10. It says, Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth. And Noah had his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. And they entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean animals, or clean and unclean animals, of birds and of all the creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded them, or commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. So, Noah is a picture of the Israelites going through the tribulation. God protects the Jewish remnant halfway through the tribulation. We will look at it in a minute. So, hold your spot here in Genesis. We're going to come back to it. Remember, this is a lot of teaching tonight. Go with me to Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. Let's look in verses 16 through 20. And I didn't put these up on the overhead, so if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at it in the Bible. And I did that on purpose. So Matthew 24, verse 16, look what it says. Uh, Jesus says, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant woman and the nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect if it were possible. So I went a little bit farther than that. But he's talking about here, Jesus, what he's speaking about here is in the middle of the tribulation period, three and a half years into the tribulation period, the, the, the Antichrist is going to go into the temple. So there's going to be a third temple that's going to be built. I, I don't know if you've ever looked. Have you ever looked on the Temple Institute? It's, it's in Israel. They have all the artifacts ready for the third temple. Do you know they actually have the walls to set up the third temple already? You can go onto their website and they already show you what it's going to look like. They have everything ready. They're just waiting for that go button to construct it. And what's interesting in the book of Revelation, it says the outer court is for the Gentiles. So there will be a temple built on the temple mount 
but the outer court will be for the Gentiles. And they're getting close to that. Now, we don't know when that's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to be here or if we're going to be gone. But they have everything in place to build the third temple. And some, some uh, Jewish scholars or uh, 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 archaeologists believe that they know where the Ark of the Covenant is. We don't know that for sure, but they believe that they know where it's at. So they're just waiting to pull that thing out. I don't know if you know this, this is not in the notes or anything, that they've already, they have uh, red heifers that came from yeah. Texas that are over there right now. And to get a red heifer that's perfect, it's almost impossible. But they have some now, ready for sacrifices. They formed the Sanhedrin back in 2004. They reformed the Sanhedrin. Wow. And they used genetic, genetics to trace all back to the, the line of Aaron. So these, these individuals that are involved in this, that are part of the Sanhedrin, they've been sacrificing every year now at the Temple Mount. They'll go up by the Temple Wall and they've been putting lambs on there and going through the rituals. So everything is lining up with Scripture. Again, we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know when this is going to happen. But we know that it will happen. So there's going to be this temple that's built halfway through the tribulation period. The, the, the Antichrist is going to enter into the temple and he's going to cause what we call uh, an abomination that causes desolation. Right. He's going to call himself God. And when Jesus says this, when you hear that, you run for the hills. The hills that he's talking about is the wilderness. He's describing the wilderness. Go with me to Revelation chapter 12. Now this scripture, Revelation chapter 12, I believe also refers back to when Jesus was born. But there's some, uh, a lot of scholars will say there's extra stuff in here that also relates to the future. So when you read Revelation chapter 12, you will see how Jesus and his family fled into the wilderness into Egypt and was protected from the devil. Remember, he went in and when Jesus was born, Herod heard of his birth. Uh, they believe that Jesus was around two years old when the Magi came. And if you don't know much about the Magi, here's a Christmas story for you. <laughs> but the Magi came from Persia and they believe, scholars believe that those, they were told about the birth of Christ through Daniel. Because Daniel was in charge of them. They've done a lot of historical artifacts and they know a lot of this stuff of history. So they believe that they, the Magi came from the teachings from Daniel. Because remember Babylon? Babylon was in that area. So look at verse 1. <clears throat> a great and wondrous sign appeared into heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars. Now, the woman represents Israel. Okay? It could also represent Mary, but most believe it represents Israel. Uh, remember Joseph? Remember his dad uh, and mom, the sun and the moon and the the 12 sheaves that bowed down, remember in the scripture, yeah. in Genesis? Yeah. Talks about the 12 stars, the 12 tribes of what? Yeah. Israel. Then it says, verse 2, she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. Now there's a picture. They tried to destroy Christ at his birth. 
right? Verse 5. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to the throne. The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Now, let me stop there. That's the other half of the tribulation period. So it's, it's, when, when you read scripture, sometimes it'll have a, 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 a prophecy for that moment and for the future. Have you guys ever read that in scripture where you see that? Yeah. It's speaking of that time when Jesus said, you're going to run to the wilderness. When you look at that word wilderness, it literally means it, it comes from a name and I can't remember the name. I wish I would have put it in my notes today, but it's where Petra is today in Jordan. So <clears throat> it's a possibility that they will go to Jordan. Verse 7, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation, and the power, and of the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of... By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is what? Short. So it's not just speaking of the time of Jesus. This is speaking during the, 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 the tribulation period. Remember this. The tribulation is Jewish. God has shifted his attention from the Gentiles who have been raptured to focus on the Jews to come into salvation. That's why it's, uh, Jeremiah calls it the time, remember I shared this last week, the time of Jacob's trouble. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. The woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert where she would be taken care of a time and times and half a time out of the serpent's reach. That's the second half of the tribulation. Then from his mouth, the servant spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torn. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. I like that. So again, Noah was in the ark. Now, in, when you read in the scripture, we didn't read that tonight, but who closed the door to the ark? God, God did. And how long were they in the ark? Everybody say seven days. The floodwaters didn't come. God closed the door and they stayed in that ark for seven days. How long is the tribulation period? Seven years. It's a prophetic picture. It's typology. It's a symbolism of the seven years of the tribulation period. Noah is a picture of that. So how long again was he in the ark? Seven days before the floods came. And I kind of went ahead of my notes there. You guys see my notes up there. Now we're going to look at the 77s. 
So go with me to Daniel. Go with me to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 24 through 27, and I have it up here on the overhead. Remember this, Daniel's praying, and, and Gabriel comes to him, and, and he shares this message of the end times with him, and he says in verse 24, 77s are decreed for your people and your holy city to find transgression, to put an end to sin to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy and anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the anointed one is Jesus, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and with a trench, but in times of trouble. After the seven, 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue till the end. And desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So Daniel is given this picture, and it's 62 sevens. Everybody got their hand out. Do you guys get the hand out here? So if you'll do the math. I like this one because it showed the math, okay? Everybody remember their math from school? Seven times 70 is what? 49. And then there's 62 sevens. You add those two together, it's 490 years. It was 483 and then 490 from the time that Jesus was cut off. And most scholars with Jewish scholars, now here's the interesting thing, they say it's to the day. To the day that Jesus was cut off. All, even all the commentaries I was reading, they say they believe it was to the exact day on the Jewish calendar. So does not God fulfill prophecy? When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do something. So guys, when, when he says he's coming back for his church, he's coming back for his church. Then we have what we call the church age. So those are the first 69 sevens until Jesus died on the cross. Then you have what we call the church age. That we're living in that church age. The 70th week isn't until the tribulation period. Now they used weeks, but it really means years. Everybody understanding this tonight? Am I losing anybody? Why am I going through all this? Because we got to understand what we believe. Right? Yeah. right? Yes. So you have what we call the church age, the age of grace. God's bringing in Gentiles. He's bringing in Jews too. There's Jews getting saved. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. Unless you took one of those genealogy tests and you find out you have 1%, then you're a Samaritan. <laughs> I've got 1%, <laughs> right? I don't know if they're real or not. I've got to wonder about those things. Yeah, her and I have, the, we did these genealogy tests, and ours are so similar, man. It's kind of creepy. But, <laughs> but she, said, yeah, she said it's weird. But 
So we're in that church age. Now, Jesus said there will be signs. Now, we, we're not going to look at those tonight. We can look at those in the next couple of weeks. Jesus pointed to a lot of signs, and I read from that last week, certain things to look for. Indicators. We can see it throughout Scripture. Remember, we reread, and this is not up on my notes. It's not here. But remember 2 Timothy chapter 3. There will uh, be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, boastful, proud, arrogant, disobedient to their parents, violent. And we look at that, and it's not just describing the word, world there. When Paul is speaking to Timothy, he is referring to those within the church. When the church starts looking like the world then you better start paying attention. We look at other scriptures, right? I just shared with you guys. How many of you guys went up and looked up on that palm thing I told you about Amazon, that they're doing that? They started it. They started it just before we moved from Washington. They start wholesale foods. And they, they scan your palm now. You don't take in a credit card. You don't do anything. Your palm is your, your identity. And you walk in. You scan your palm, there's no workers there, there's nobody there. You take off the shelf what you want, you walk out the store and you get a bill in the mail. Creepy. And now they're going to do it worldwide. Yeah. We got we to realize the technology is here. And time is short. And so when we're looking at, we're at the church age, and then... I believe the rapture takes place. Now, that's not my notes, but we looked at it last week. Remember Revelation chapter 4? The first three chapters deal with the church. Chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, John says, I heard a voice that said, come up here. And it sounded like a trumpet. And after this, I will show you what must take place. I believe that's a picture of the church. Because you don't hear about the church until chapter 19. And it's in heaven, dressed in their gown. At the wedding supper of the Lamb. And we learned from that movie, Before the Wrath, the archaeological evidence from a Jewish Galilean wedding, which was different, that they celebrated for seven days. And once that door was shut, and that all happened before the seven-day celebration. Right. Then you'll have the tribulation period. So again, Daniel speaks of this. And he points to a pre-tribulation rapture. So Daniel is a picture of that. And we will look at next week how Daniel is also a typology. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the next one is Lot is another typology. Go with me to Genesis chapter 19. Look with me in verses 26 or verses 16 through 26. I'll read it from up top here. It says, With the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away with the city when the city is punished. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, no, my lords, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown your great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This, is, this disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here's a town near enough to run to and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small. Isn't it? Then my life will be spared. 
He said to them, very well, I will grant this request to you. I will not overflow the, overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do it until, cannot do anything until you reach it. That is why the town was called Zoar. By the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Then the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the, from the Lord out of the heavens. Thus he overthrew those cities in the entire plain, destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation in the land. But Lot's wife looked back and she became a pillar of salt. So we look at the scripture, Lot. What did God do with Lot before he destroyed the city? He, he wanted him to get him out. He brought him to safety, didn't he? And notice he does it with urgency. God does it with urgency. Look at verse 15. With the coming down, the angel urged Lot, saying, Hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Jesus is coming soon. Hurry. Be ready. Jesus says here, he says in Revelation 3:11, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Uh, you know, soonest to us, it seems like yesterday. So I, I was thinking about this today when... 2001, I went up to general counsel and one of my pastor friends was up there, a good mentor of mine, and he prayed for me and he said, uh, don't look for a wife, I'll bring her to you. Very soon, I'll bring you your wife. And I'm thinking right after that, I'm looking around. But he said, don't look for a wife, but I was looking around. <laughs> Six years later, to me, very soon is what? Tomorrow. So very soon to God is not very soon to us. But it's perfect timing. One of these days that one last Gentile is going to come in and boom, we're out of here. Like in the movie, Jesus is as excited to get us as we are for him to come back. I want you to think about that, man. Jesus is excited to get us. We're his bride. So that brings me next. Don't hesitate. Look at verse 16. It says, when he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. Be ready and lift up your head. Don't hesitate. Now, that doesn't mean stop living your life. Amen. Some people think, well, Jesus is coming back. I remember when Y2K happened. I was in the service. I knew some people, they sold everything they had. And they went out on a KOA campground. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh, no, this is going to happen. This is it, man. <laughs> and what happened? The next day came and nothing happened. Uh, it's all right to be prepared, but don't do foolish things. When somebody says, oh, this is the date. I shared this a couple weeks ago, but remember the book, 88 Reasons Jesus Coming Back in 88? Did he come back? Nope. No. So when people start setting dates, run. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm serious. My daughter said it. They're cuckoo. It doesn't, I don't think they mean to be that way. They're just excited. But you can lead a lot of people astray by setting dates. Just be careful of that. This is what Jesus said. I like this. Matthew 24, 44, he says, So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour, come at an hour when you do not expect him. Then he says this in Luke. Now, when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. The things that he's talking about are the things in the book of Luke and the book of Matthew. 
And those are the birth pains. When you begin to see certain things, how many of you would say violence is just crazy today? And it's not just in the States. It's worldwide. Violence is worldwide. You, you see shootings everywhere now. Not just in the United States. You see stabbings and killings. And, and I know they've always had this stuff, but we're seeing it on a bigger scale than we've ever had before. We see, we see the rise of Sodom and Gomorrah today. And Lot. I mean, the very, God says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And when you take the rainbow that surrounds his throne, there's a rainbow that surrounds God's throne. And Satan's like, ah, oh, I'll steal that. Because Satan does everything that he can to make God look bad. But thank goodness God is still in charge. God's not moved by it. He, he has the final say. We already know he wins the war. Right. But they've taken what surrounds God's throne and then they use the word pride. Yeah. And they do. They, 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 they push it. And then, and then look at this. We will be caught up. Look at verse 16 again. When he hesitated, the men grasped his hands and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters and led them safely out of the city for the Lord was merciful to them. Yeah. I know that's not, a, it was back in the scripture that I had. I don't want to back up. But the word right here, now it's interesting. The Hebrew word for grasp is the word kasak, which means to be firm, be caught fast, be secure, depressed, to be urgent. The King James Version uses the word seized. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain. Remember the second, this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Oh, went too fast. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall be with the Lord all, always. Therefore comfort one another with these words. I, I, I'm so used to my translation that I just kind of memorized it. But it's interesting word. He uses the word caught up. Now the word caught up, again, I shared this a couple weeks ago. And verse 17 comes from the Greek word harpazo. It means to seize, to carry off by force, to seize on, claim for oneself eagerly, to snatch out or away. So when he grabbed Lot, he went, no. And he grabbed the daughters, the angels did, and they seized them to take them safely out of harm's way. Amen. The rapture, that word harpazo means God seizes us. Right. Hey, I'm going to take you out of this world so that you're protected. That should give us hope. That's why they call it the blessed hope. Yes. Uh -huh. Now, this is the Latin Bible, and I'm not going to read it because I don't know Latin. <laughs> but the one that's highlighted is rapimur, and I cannot even pronounce it correctly. But that's where we get our word, rapture. So if anybody says the word rapture is not in the Bible, 
It is, because our English Bible was translated from Greek and from Latin. So we see the word rapture in the Bible. So if anybody says the word rapture is not in the Bible, yeah, it is. It's just not in the English Bible. We use the Greek word harpazo. Again, the word rapiri, I can't, I can't say it. Uh, one of the translations is raptuis, but when translated English is the word rapture. So again, God did not judge Sodom until Lot and his family were safe. Look at verse 22. He says, but flee there quickly because I, can do, I cannot do anything until you reach it. This is why the town was called Zoar. So God's not going to destroy this world until his people are safely out of here. And people will say, well, how is that a pre-tribulation rapture? Well, think about it. God always protects his remnant. He always takes care of his own. He, he will take care of us. He, he's not going to judge us with the evil or the wicked. Because what happens to us when we get saved? Does God change our insight? Something we mentioned that girl today. All your sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west. And God calls you and I justified. Now the word justified means as if you had never sinned. I want you to think about that for a minute. The day you, got, you accepted Jesus Christ, all your sin got wiped away. And he said, by the way, you're justified now. What's that do for your thinking for the Lord? Wow. Now look at this scripture, Romans 5, 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. Remember the word justified as if you have never sinned. We shall be saved from the wrath through him. What wrath is he speaking of? Not just the wrath of dying and going to hell, but the wrath of God's wrath on the world, the tribulation period. So he's going to keep us from that wrath. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God did not appoint us to what? Wrath. How clear can you get? But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, don't look back. Look at verse 26, if you have your Bible. But Lot's wife looked back and she became what? A pillar of salt. I believe the reason why she looked back is because she had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. She couldn't let go of those things. Listen, it's, it's either you're in or you're out, right? Her heart wasn't right. And I think that there's a lot of people that are looking back. Well, I, you know, but I, I want to get married. I want to have kids. Listen, heaven's going to be so much greater than ever getting married and having kids. Yes. Right. Some of you guys, it's like, I want to retire. Good, you get to retire in heaven. You know what the Lord told me one time I, when I left Tulsa County because I have a retirement with him? I said, Lord, what am I going to do about retirement one day? And he goes, you, I am your retirement. <laughs> right? Think about it. Anybody ever want a mansion? I mean, we look at, have you ever drove by some of these big, gigantic houses that football players have, like in Denver there in the Cherry Hills? John Elway has this gigantic house. I'm from Denver, and my uncle used to do security for him, and you're thinking, man, that's really cool. And I remember my old pastor saying, yeah, but you're going to have a better, better place in heaven. Yeah. We don't know what it's going to be like, but I know it's going to be awesome. Think about that. God's pavement's made out of see-through gold. Yeah. I used to lay asphalt. 
I wonder what, no, God does it. He doesn't need angels to lay gold asphalt or something like that. But, but don't look back. Look, look what Luke 9.62 says. Jesus says this. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That means keep pressing on in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It gets tough. It's not easy. One of the things we told that young lady today, just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean everything's going to work out. Doesn't mean everything's going to just change right away. Your insides change, your hearts change, but that doesn't mean your circumstances are going to change right away. I had a lady one time tell me, she said, Pastor, if I pray for healing and I don't get healed, does that mean I didn't have enough faith? And I said, I told Mama Linda, she's with Jesus now, so I can use her now. I said, Mama Linda, I said, I think it takes more faith to still trust God when God doesn't answer the way that you want him to. Yeah. It does. Because am I going to still trust him even when things aren't turning out the way that I want them to? That's real faith. <clears throat> Final chapter. Uh, did I have that? But that Okay, so yeah, go with me to Matthew 24. We're going to finish with this. <clears throat> Matthew 24. I'm going to start in verse 36 through 51. Jesus says, and he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, but my father only. Remember, we watched that movie before the wrath and they, we know why, because in the wedding feast, it was only the father that could say, hey, go get your bride. Right. You know, so there's going to be the one of these days the father says, hey, go get your bride. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. Let's stop there for a minute. When you read the days of Noah, it says that every inclination of his heart and mind was wicked all the time. That means every thought that he had was wicked. Wick, the, the, God was grieved that he had made mankind because of the violence that had hap was happening on the earth. And so are we there? I think we're there. I mean, I'm not God. I don't know when he's going to come back, but I think we're getting pretty close. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be the coming of the son of man be. Then two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. The, the, the thing is, is, again, we occupy till he comes, but we need to be ready. We, we need to know that he's coming back. Again, remember you guys, when you watched that film and some of you that didn't watch it, only 25% of the church today believes in the pre-tribulation rapture. Right. Only 25%. Now, again, we don't want to make a division within the church. Hey, I, I've always said it's all going to pan out in the end, right? right. And, you know, when, but the thing is, is, this was a doctrine that was taught in the early church. It was taught. This was something they believed in. Paul believed in it, I believe. For you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Look at this. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. What it again is saying is be ready. Therefore you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is a faithful and wise servant? I read this last week, but i got to read it again. Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. 
Blessed is that servant whose master, when he comes, will find, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all of his goods. So let's be faithful, right? What's the one thing we want to hear from the Lord? Well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. When I get to heaven, I don't, it's not going to be how successful I was or how many people came here. Or it's going to be, did I do it for the right reasons and I did, it, did I do it faithfully to the Lord? I have some really good friends that are faithful to God and they pastor some small churches out in Washington, but they're faithful. They're faithful to it. And one of these days they get to heaven, they're going to get rewards for being faithful. We're going to be rewarded for being faithful. I say to you that he will make him ruler over all goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, notice it says evil, so something changed in his heart. My master is delaying his coming. Notice he calls him master. So he goes from serving the Lord and the right heart to now his heart has changed. And we used to talk about this in church, right? You've allowed your heart to become what? Hard. The hardness of your heart. Jesus talks about the, the parable of the soils. I don't like calling it the parable of the sower. It's really the soils because it's the soil of your heart. My master's delaying his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and to drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him into two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The whole purpose of this is to say, hey, let's live for Jesus. Let's do the right things. Just like Lot, she wasn't right with God. Because she looked back. She was desiring all those things of the world. I, I, you know, I, I, it's okay to have things and desire certain things, right? It's okay to do certain things and enjoy this life. But don't put those things over your relationship with God. Right. Don't put them over your relationship with God. Right. Put God as the center of your relationship. Yes. It's not going to be perfect because none of us are perfect, right? right. If you're perfect, I want to know. What he's saying is be ready. So these are typologies. So you look, at, you, look at, uh, you look at Enoch. Before God brought judgment on the world, Enoch was what? Taken. The church, before God's judgment, will be taken. Right? You look at Lot. Lot. Now here's the interesting thing about Lot. It says that he, he was grieved in his heart of what he saw every day when he lived in Lot. My question is, why did he still live there? Right? Have you ever wondered that? Lot, why did you choose to live there? Yeah. So God protects them and takes them before he brings judgment. Next week we're going to look at some other passages. So we'll look at, we'll look at Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. We'll look at Joseph. How Joseph is a type of Christ and, it's, and he married a Gentile bride before the seven years of famine. And she was protected in the palace. So we're going to look at some of those things next week. Did, I, did anybody learn something tonight? Is this some stuff you guys already know? No. So these are, these are really good scriptures to know about the pre-tribulation rapture. I believe it's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. And you can believe that Jesus is coming back for his bride. I, I've always used this. Why would Jesus... When, when I got married to Stacy, and I've shared this before, but I want to share it again... 
if I would have paid somebody to beat up my wife before I got married to her, do you think she would have married me? No. Now let's, let's work her into shape. I, hey, you know, go hire some guy. Hey, look, you know, she needs to be whipped into shape. I, I want you to go beat her up. And then she comes into the wedding with her hair mangled, black eyes, bloody lip. I'm ready to marry you, right? No, she wouldn't marry. Listen, do you think Jesus is going to do that to his bride? Right. I mean, really think about it. He loves us. Yeah. He, he, he died for us that we might have salvation. Right. He did all that on the cross for us. And if he did that for us, why, do you, why would you think he'd let us go through the tribulation period? Right? All right. Every head bowed. Every head, uh, every head bowed and every eye closed here tonight. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you. I know that all those that are here tonight, they know you. Because I've seen them the last few weeks, Lord. I pray, Father, that you, would you help us to be ready? Yeah. Would you help us to be ready? All of us. I, I, I mean, we are ready. We know you. We're, you've saved us. You've set us free. But Lord... Your word says to search our hearts to see if there's any wicked way in us and lead us in the life everlasting. You've, you, you said, Father, to examine ourselves to see if we're in the truth. Uh, Father, help us to take a, a self-assessment of ourselves and our relationship with you. To take an assessment of our relationship. Lord, if there's an area that we need to repent of, let us repent. If there's an area we need to get rid of, like in the seven churches where you said, repent. Or I'll snuff out your light. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, we don't want to be like the church of Laodicea, a lukewarm church. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Thinking that we're rich when we're not. Because you said that, Lord, you would vomit us out of your mouth. So, Father, help us to be ready tonight. Help all of us to know that you are coming soon and you're coming for your church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, thank you for being here tonight. If you have any questions, I'm here to answer them. If you have anything, hey, listen, I'm a Berean. I make mistakes. If there's something in here like, Pastor, I, I want to talk to you about this. I'm here to talk to you about it, okay? And we can walk through it together because we all make mistakes. All right, God bless you.